0: If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, as we continue our study through the book of Romans. We'll be picking up in verse 19, actually the second half of 19, so 19b, if you will. It's there in your worship guide as well. Romans chapter 6. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity... Into lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at, the ti- at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God... The fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we are here gathered this morning because we believe your words are life, and we want life. We want to live a life that is pleasing to you. We want to live life to the full. And Jesus, you give that to us. So may we listen to you. I pray that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, So last summer, I got to go back to Montana for a couple weeks. I I try to go there every summer. And uh, I got to spend a day helping one of my friends uh, herd some buffalo or some bison, which sounds a lot, you know, more cool than it actually was. It, it was pretty cool, but, but it wasn't as cool as you probably think. I'm not on a horse, you know, roping them up or anything. They were already in a corral, and, uh, and so I just needed to try to encourage them to get in a trailer. And, and most of them, you know, you could kind of wave your arms and stuff, and they would be encouraged enough to get in there. Uh, However, there was one uh, rather large bull that uh, would not listen to my words of encouragement to get in there. And uh, I'm with some friends and we're just, you know, we're waving our arms trying to get him uh, to go and he just will not move. Matter of fact, he starts getting agitated and he begins running around. And at one point, he runs right at me. I mean, he is 2,000 pounds, and he is running right at me. And the owner of this bison says, don't move. It's just a bluff, which, you know, is kind of hard when when the animal's, you know, coming in on you. But I did have the corral in front of me. So there were steel bars in front of me. And so uh, I just, you know, kept waving. And sure enough, he ran right up and he stopped. And then he starts running around again. He did this repeatedly over and over and over. And finally, he stops on the other side of this pen, and he's looking at me, and I could tell something changed. Something changed in his countenance. And he starts running right after me again. And I'm waving. I'm, then I'm like, forget waving. And I just leave, and I'm glad I did, because it lowered its head, and it went right through the steel bars like they were not even there. It just burst right through it. Uh, if I had been on the other side, like I would have been nailed by this thing. And uh, immediately, the owner of the bison... He tells his son, get out the rifle, put him down. His son's name is Remington. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, he's 15 years old and his, his name's Remington. And he goes, "Remy, get out this rifle. And so, so I've known Remi for a long time. Remy, he runs to the truck, he gets out his rifle, he shoots the bison right in the head and the bison just kind of shakes it off and moves, just keeps walking. And then Remy gets out his knife, goes up to it, and begins stabbing the bison in the neck. And all my daughters are there just. <laughs> I mean, he's trying to impress them. You could tell. And they were impressed. I was impressed. I mean, they just raised them different in Montana. And he is stabbing, <laughs> stabbing this bison as it goes down. And then finally it dies. Uh, and then we got to skin it, eat it, and I have its skull up on my wall at home. So I showed it to who's, who's boss. Um, <laughs> But, but, but after this, I went to the owner and I said, so why did we have to shoot it? I mean, why can't we just, you know, we get in our cars, whatever. We wait till it calms down. We try to corral it again later. And he said, well, you can't. It, once it bursts through the fences, it no longer sees fences. It no longer sees corrals. It will literally just walk through everything, destroying property. And there also won't be any more false bluffs here or bluffs. He's aggressive. He will come after you. He has to be put down. I began thinking, that's just such a great picture of sin. That bison is a beautiful picture, a powerful picture of sin. Uh, There are certain sins that we have in our life uh, that we try to corral. We try to contain. We try to pretend they're safe. We think we can control them. We can keep them in isolation. Uh, But there's times like that's, that sin is going to come charging right at you. You're going to say it's just a bluff. I still got control. It's just a bluff. But that thing's a two thousand pound animal. It's going to burst right through whatever containment you think you have. It doesn't see fences. It become aggressive, and it only desires to kill you. That is the picture of sin that we have throughout the Bible. It's an animal, a wild animal that comes after us, seeking only to kill us. And Paul here in this chapter, he is saying that you either kill sin or you let sin kill you. He says the wages of sin is death. Make no mistake about it. Uh, It's likely for those of you who grew up in church or maybe went to a vacation Bible school uh, a long time ago. You had to memorize Romans 6 23. For the wages of sin is death, uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, If you haven't memorized that verse, it's a good verse to memorize. Uh, The word or the phrase there is interesting the wages of sin. It means exactly what you think it means it means the payment of sin. It means payment for a service rendered. When you sin, you you receive some kind of payoff for it. But the payoff that sin promises you is going to be different than the payoff you actually receive. But sin is going to promise you some type of payoff. Uh, Sin wants you to believe that its wages are good. So, you know, why should you sleep around or why should you give in to lust? Well, because you believe the payoff is pleasure. Why spend so much time obsessing over your body or how you look? Well, because the payoff is receiving praise. It's affirmation. It's being noticed by others. Why should you hold on tight to your money? Why should you be greedy? Well, the payoff is a life of leisure or comfort. Why should you gossip? Well, the payoff is you get the attention you crave or you get to be part of an inner circle talking about others behind their back. Why should you slander someone? Well, the payoff is that you feel superior. So sin promises a payoff. It promises you good wages, but the real wages of sin is death. Yes, there might be a a moment, a temporary moment, where it seems like it was worth it. But that's never the final payment. The final payment is always death. Uh, This is why in verse 21, another way he says it is, the end of those things is death. They're leading to death. And by death here, I think he's talking about uh, not just eternal death and damnation. I think he's talking about a destructive behavior. Sin destroys you in this life. Uh, The obvious examples of this, you know, perhaps is, you know, um, if you drink too much and you get drunk, Drunkenness can lead to dangerous behavior. Uh, Perhaps it can lead to an addiction where you begin to spiral out of control. It will rob you of your health. It's going to rob you of your family, of your friends, of your money. It's going to destroy you. Or you can look at sex outside of marriage. And no matter how glorious that is presented in our culture or through um, our movies, the reality is that it can result in shame, obsession, depression, actually a lack of intimacy rather than the intimacy it has promised. And you find yourself losing a part of yourself with every new encounter. If you give in to anger, it promises a certain payoff, but actually the end, the final payoff can be an end to friendships You will hurt others. You will isolate yourself. If this anger continues unchecked, it could grow into violence or even murder. It destroys you. The wages of sin is death. Sin destroys you. The payoff of sin is death. So kill sin or it's going to kill you. Uh, Sin is portrayed throughout the Bible as a predator. Um, Actually, this is the way God himself introduces sin to us in the fourth page of your Bibles. In Genesis chapter 4, we read how Cain had become envious of his younger brother Abel. And God, in extraordinary kindness, comes to Cain and offers him a, a word of warning and encouragement. And he says this, he goes, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, and you must master it, or you must rule over it. So, this is the first time in the Bible that we have sin described what sin is. And God Himself describes sin for us. And when He describes sin, He describes it as a predator. It's a predator. He said it's it's a predator crouching down or or hiding, trying to make itself look as small as possible. That's what crouching is. It's making itself look small. But its intent is to kill you. It's hunting you. So what does Cain do here? Well, Well, Cain, first he opens the door to sin. Remember, sin was at the door. So sin was outside. And the first thing Cain does is he opens up the door to it. He thinks that whatever is out there, he can handle it. He was safe inside, but he opens up the door to the sin in his life. And then sure enough, he looks at the sin and it looks so small, but it was just crouching. And that sin devoured him. And if you notice the same image of that sin devouring him, like predator-like came and just attacked him. He then becomes that sin. What does he do to his brother? He lies in wait, and he attacks his brother. That sin consumed him, and he became an instrument of sin. Never forget that sin is hunting you. Uh, every summer, I want you to notice, if you, if you read the news, you're always going to find uh, an article about someone being attacked by a bison at Yellowstone National Park. Have you noticed this? Every single summer, uh, there's all these articles about it. Uh, and usually there's some great video footage or, um, or pictures of it because usually the person being attacked was taking a picture of the bison. Uh, nine times out of 10, that's why they are attacked. Because they're looking and they think it's a cow. I mean, the, 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 the bison's just so docile, they're just eating its grass, and so they just kind of walk right up, and they keep getting closer and closer and closer, and then when they're just a few feet away, they literally turn around to take selfies. They're taking a selfie with a 2,000-pound wild animal behind them, and then you can see the attack. That's why there's such great pictures. You can see it right there. And some of us treat sin that way. We just don't think it's a big deal. Literally in Yellowstone, there's warning signs everywhere. We've been, God's word warns us everywhere about the dangers of sin, and we're just backing up into it. It's gonna make a great picture. That sin desires you. It's a predator. It wants to kill you. So what are we supposed to do with this? How how exactly do we kill? Kill it. Well, Paul, so far in Romans, he's told us that in order to fight sin, we remind ourselves of who we are, that we're a child of God, and we remind ourselves that we serve a new master. We spent the last couple of weeks looking at that. And now he gives us one final strategy. He says we are to present our members as slaves to righteousness. Look at verse 19 with me, that second half of it. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. We are to present our members as slaves to righteousness. And by members here, Paul is talking about members of your body. He's talking about body parts. He's talking about your hands, your feet, your mind, your your tongue. Before you were converted, all of these body parts were used for sin. He says now we're to take those body parts and we're to offer them up in service to God. And I believe what Paul is talking about here is we take the time to offer up each individual body part to him. And we offer them up and we say, like, with the same amount of energy and the same amount of creativity that I used of sinning with this body part, I now offer that same energy and creativity to you in service with this body part. And so we hold up our tongue. We, 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 we present our tongue and we say, Lord, in the past, I'm sorry to say it, but this tongue was used to lie, it was used to slander others. It was used to manipulate people in order to get what I wanted. It was used to gossip. It was used to speak behind people's backs. But now I present it to you. I offer it to you. Use it in your service to bless, to speak words of life, to offer forgiveness, to declare your truth, to speak your love. Use it to build others up instead of tearing people down. Use it to sing your praises. And Lord, hear my eyes. In the past, I used my eyes to look at all sorts of evil. I coveted with them. I lusted with them. I watched heart-numbing shows with them. I endlessly looked at my phone with them. I have used them to judge others by their appearance. But now I offer them to your service. Let me look away from things that are impure. Let me see the world the way you would have me see the world. Let my eyes pour over your word. Lord, use my eyes. That's what Paul means. When he says you present your members. We're offering up each one of our body parts as a slave to righteousness. He's going to pick this theme up later in Romans 12, another famous passage in which Paul says, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Let me ask you, have you done this? Have you offered up each of your body parts? When you do so, what you're going to find is that it is absolutely liberating. It is liberating when you offer up each of your body parts because you're realizing that's what you were designed to do. God actually created you to use those members for his glory. And so this, when he talks about the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, that eternal life That's what you begin to experience, not just in the future, but you experience now. That is a new way of living that breaks into your life now. You become alive as you offer up your members in service to him. This morning, what I want us to do is I want us to take time in which we can offer up the members of our body in service to the Lord. And we're going to do this by taking communion together, um, which I think is appropriate Uh, When we take of the bread and we take of the wine here, we're going to remember how Jesus offered up his body parts. He offered up his hands and his feet and his side to be pierced. He offered up his head to receive a crown of thorns. He offered up his mouth to speak words of forgiveness instead of lashing out in anger on the cross. When we come to this table, we remember how Jesus offered up all the members of his body. And when Jesus went to the cross, it was not only to pay for our sins. That's not the only reason he went to the cross. Yes, he went to the cross as our substitute to pay for our sins. But he also went to the cross as an example for us that we are to die to ourselves. We are to die to sin. We're to present each member of our body as a sacrifice. And can I just tell you that that will feel like death for many of us as we offer each individual and we say, Lord, take this. I've been doing this with this body part. Forgive me. I die to that. It will feel like a death. But resurrection power is on the other side. So We don't just come to this table as a way of remembering Jesus' substitute for us, that he was a substitute for us, that he paid for our sins. We also look at this and we think this is what God is calling us to, that we would die to ourselves, that we might be risen to new life. And so this is how we're going to take communion. Uh, First off, this table is for all those who have placed their faith and Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior who trust wholly on him for the forgiveness of sins and for eternal life. If that is you, this table is for you. Um, we have two ways to take. You can either break off some of the bread and you can dip it into wine and take. Or if you want, we have these communion in the cups. You can still come down here and take one of those and return to your seat and take it that way. And what I ask is that you come down these middle aisles. And you return to your seats using the outer aisles there. And we're going to take time to do this. We have three songs laid out for us. If at any point you want to come up here and pray during time of communion, you're welcome to. If you want to come and present, repent of maybe ways that you have sinned with different members of your body. Or you want to just present the members of your body as a sacrifice to the Lord. Take time to do that. Whether it's here or back in your seat. Um, But this is your time, your space, over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of many. As often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, we remember Christ. If you would, pray with me. Father, in this moment, we remember your son, Jesus, and his sacrifice that he made for us. We also remember the path of life you have laid out for us, that if any man wishes to come after Jesus, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. We die in order that we might have new life. Jesus, thank you for giving that to us. And we present our whole selves to you in this moment. Be with us, Spirit. Lead us in this time. We pray this all for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.